This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. You're hearing from Coal March and Triangle Pest Control's Donnie Shelton and PCO Bookkeepers, PCO M&A Specialist, and Turf Books Dan Gordon, as well as some of the biggest players in the pest control and lawn care industries. We're talking about what is changing in the industry and taking you straight to the front lines of what the future holds. If you're ready to grow your pest control or lawn care business, you're in the right place. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PNP Industry Insider Podcast, where we look at what's changing in the industry and we take you to the front lines to those that are driving those changes in the industry. My name is Donnie Shelton. I am the owner of Triangle Pest Control, as well as the CEO of Cool March, a digital marketing and sales services company that focuses on pest and lawn. And with me, as always, is Mr. Dan Gordon. Dan, would you like to say hello? Hello, everyone. Glad to be here. Terrific guest today. Um, so, uh, I guess uh, I can introduce our guest, right? Yeah. Okay. I got this several paragraphs on them, and usually we try to keep this light and uh, kind of moving along, but I will, uh, um, you know, today we're talking about building your business through community involvement, and our guest is uh, Galvin Murphy from uh, Yankee Pest Control uh, up in Massachusetts, and, um, you know, uh, I've known Galvin for a long time. He's been a client for a while. He's been in uh, peer groups. We visited his office, and and he's the real deal. It's it's uh, uh, really uh, interesting to watch a guy who who uh, builds his business through community involvement, and it is extremely um, you know, is extremely involved in in, in the local uh, business community and, and, and charities and whatnot. And uh, I'm going to read this paragraph about. Uh, his achievements, uh, including a former member uh, of the board of directors of NPMA, um, heavily involved in the New England Pest Management Association, including being honored by the members as a recipient of the Bart Eldridge Award in 2012, um, his recognition of, um, of his long tenure as education committee chair for uh, New England Pest Management Association. I know that he's very involved and very committed to education. Uh, he's, uh, you know, we work together on many, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, collaborations and webinars and things. Um, and um, uh, he enjoys speaking to others in the industry and, um, uh, you know, helping other folks uh, 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 succeed. Uh, rooted in his beginnings as a sergeant in the United States Marine Corps. Uh, Galvin has also found spending uh, uh, spending time at the countless veterans organizations that he supports, and he's also uh, a retired fireman, right? That's all right. Yeah. Hey, by the way, before we get into this, the one thing that Dan didn't say is I think someone made a mistake here on the script. It says he's been involved in the pest control industry since 1985. I think that was supposed to read 1885. Is that, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway. I thought you were right, well, one of my reading skills because I was all over it. I'm trying to, it doesn't sound well, like let me just add one thing and and i can only echo what what dan has said I, I mean for all of our listeners listen galvin is the real deal we've been to his office he's a super great guy i think i'm really excited about the podcast today um and so with that besides the marine stuff we won't get into that but you know 
Gallon, can you share a little bit more about your background and, and kind of how you found your way into the pest control industry and, and eventually how you ended up starting your own business? Sure. But first, you know, uh, Don, again, I want to thank you for offering me the opportunity to come out and speak with you guys. Uh, you know, the listeners may be saying to themselves, oh, these guys are putting on a show or something, but we have a great relationship. I enjoy being with you guys. Uh, I mean, there's been several times we shot uh, rounds over the bar with each other and, and just uh, have a good time. So I really I want to thank you for uh, inviting me. And I've learned so much from the two of you over the years. It's just amazing. I appreciate uh, all your thoughts and, and all your time. Uh, but how did I get into pest control? And we've heard this story so many times. I fell into it, right? It wasn't something I planned. It wasn't something I was all looking for. Uh, but after I got out of the Marine Corps, I, uh, I got on the uh, local fire department in Cambridge, Massachusetts, right? And I worked right at Harvard University. And one day, uh, a fellow came in looking for directions. And he was looking for some of the buildings at Harvard. And uh, anybody that's gone to school, a big school like that, you know, uh, trying to locate particular buildings could be a problem. Well, this guy was a pest control guy. He worked for a company over in Charlestown, <clears throat> and he ended up being a fire boss. So he wanted to look at my fire trucks, too, so I showed him around the firehouse. And I was just a young kid, and he said, hey, you know anybody's looking for a part-time job? I said, yeah, geez, as a matter of fact, I am. <laughs> I know a guy. I mean, how many times have we heard that in this industry, right? Oh, I never thought about it, but, geez, I fell into him. And what a great industry. What a great industry. It really is. It's been uh, great to me. It's been great to my family. Uh, so I ended up going over meeting with this guy in his office in Charlestown at one point. I worked for him until they sold out. And I don't know if I can say it, but they sold out to the big uh, T. And they weren't interested <laughs> in any part-timers. So I was out the door before I knew it. I had a couple of years working with them uh, in their termite uh, section and doing that. And, and we did a lot of termite work there. Uh, so I went to work for another smaller company uh, in Cambridge. And it was two fellows that owned that. And they were terrible to work for. My God, they're interested in just going out there and, uh, I don't know, screwing things up. They did a terrible job. They didn't train us. Uh, I never attended a training program the whole time I worked for them, the three or four years. And I came home one day and I said to my wife, you know what? If these two guys can screw it up and make money doing it, why can't we? And, and both of them raised civil service families, right? So her father was uh, another common pest control story right there. <laughs> Pest control is the American dream, right? It really is. You 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 just got to show up for the most part, and uh, you know. You do that, that's half the battle every time, just showing up. Yep. So uh, we kind of wandered out on our own. Uh, I had a recurring revenue of forty-five dollars a month, and back then that was three stops, and uh, and I didn't know what to do. So we we're making twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year, but it was a part-time gig, and, and, that, and that's really all I was looking for. So it was pretty good. And then NPMA came along and they had that uh, the Harvard program. I don't know if anybody attended that, but it, it was right here in my backyard. So I attended it. I was kind of told that I was too small of a company to be there. I was fortunate to get hooked up with Harvey Massey uh, as my partner for that first uh, weekend we were together. And uh, he sat down and, and said to me, kid, how much does it cost you to get a customer? And I said, I don't know. What are you talking about? And uh, my eyes got opened up. Uh, I really learned a lot that weekend. I learned that it's a business. It wasn't Galvin's little bug store. You just go out and squirt something and, and put a buck in his pocket. And there was real potential there. So uh, you know, at that point, I, uh, I learned from him. I learned from everybody at the program. And uh, I said, we, we got to take this forward. We can really do something with it. But I was still working in the firehouse. You know, at this point, I had myself almost, uh, I don't know, 10 years uh, towards the pension plan. And I wasn't going to give that up. I was just... Uh, I'm looking for something solid, and that was it. 
so we stayed with that and uh and we enjoyed it uh uh doing both uh <clears throat> and it was pretty much just me for a long time then i started hiring some part-timers and a couple of full-timers and we kind of wheeled our way through a little bit of a growth uh but growth wasn't something i was looking for at that time so it, it was fun you know it's just like like you did darn you just come come in out and uh, out of the clear blue you give it a shot and you know, you go from squirting bugs one day to being a boss the next day. And it's, uh, you know, as, as uh, Dan's book says, you know, from technician to CEO, it's, it's a shocker. And you, you got to get prepared for that. Yep. But tell us how uh, Galvin Jr., who's one of the funniest guys on earth, your son, <laughs> uh, how did he make his way into the business? And uh, tell us about that relationship. Well, he made his way into the business as a little kid, either footing ladders or digging trenches or crawling into crawl spaces for me. And uh, and he, he enjoyed it, but he also uh, wanted to be a kid, and, and that was great. He was great, great athlete, uh, and I, I couldn't take him, uh, you know, through high school years during the summer because he'd be out playing ball. Uh, being play, uh, he played hockey 12 months a year. He was very good at that. So uh, I got him uh, when I could, and I was happy, and we had fun, and we talked about things. But in the beginning, he was just a kid, and, and you have to understand that. But, you know, eventually he went off to college, uh, took marketing, um, got a little smarter than I did in some of the stuff. And, and, and Dan, it's your book. I mean, ah. together could be your book. I'm telling you, and if anybody hasn't read that book, they, they're, they, they need to read that. I don't care if they have one account and they're in pest control or if they're a $10 million business, they have to read that book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we are, you know, the son comes home from school studying marketing saying, dad, what are you doing? You're screwing this up. And, and then dad's saying, screw you. I've done all right. I'm not taking your crap. Get out of here. Uh, hang on, hang on. So I want everyone, I want everyone just to stop here for a moment. If you've ever seen that TV show, American Chopper and the dad and the son, right? That's what I imagine going on at, you know, at, at Yankee Pest. It's like the dad's on one side, the son's on the other. Just never any disagreement, right? Never. So. Well, I mean, we, we both have the same dream that we want to support our families through it. And, you know, anybody out there that's ever worked a, a government job, you got to understand that it's a decent job. It has some security to it. But there's no way my kids are going to pick the college out they wanted to go. There was no way uh, we were going to buy the cottage that I'm sitting in today uh, if I just kept that one job, if I didn't move into pest control. Uh, you know, one of my biggest problems after being in pest control, and, and it's, you know, since 1985, since 1990, we've owned Yankee. And, you know, and I got to call Dan up and say, Dan, geez, I made so much money last year. What do I do with it? And, uh, and <laughs> it's, 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 it's in, in, in oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here we go. Invest it in more, right? Make more money from it. Right. But, you know, uh, we, we kept chugging along like that for a long time. And, and, and it was great. It really was. And then, then I started getting involved in things. I, I got involved uh, with New England Pest Management Association. Uh, ran their training program for them, ran the WDI inspection program for them, eventually got on the board of directors, became the president, did all that stuff, involved with everything, meeting guys in the industry, meeting the women in the industry, meeting the people out there, the, the shakers and the makers. And it was just, uh, it was a good experience all around. I went there to have fun. I did not go to, you know, meetings like that, thinking that I was going to go there and, and just work my tail off. You did. But you went there and you made relationships, you know, and, it was just, it's just outstanding to get involved with that stuff, give back a little bit. And, uh, and you know, it, it probably wasn't until 10, 12 years ago uh, that I said that we need to sit down and formulate a plan to grow this business. You know, it's just not my son in the business with us family-wise. My son-in-law works with us. Uh, and it, it's a great experience because when we have something, you know, 
all the grandkids are there for the Christmas party and everything else and because because their parents work there not just because you know Papa owns the company because their parents work there and it's just it's a great experience and everybody's involved as you know my son got involved with the uh, associations and um, he, he attended that uh, development program leadership program they have at uh, NPMA and wow that that convinced him that he could go on to a master's program what he that he's looking at right now over at MIT and uh, it's just uh, uh, just just take advantage of every opportunity you have to learn something and, that, and that's what this podcast is and this is why I like to be involved in it help people out well I want to pause you there just for a second because I think it's really important I think for most of our listeners you know oftentimes you hear you got to grow, 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 right? You got to you got to build a big business, and that's I mean you're proving that you don't necessarily have to do that. Really, the business should be there to enhance your life, and it sounds like at least starting out, you know, it was there as kind of a part-time gig, and then as you as kind of your vision changed of the business, then so went the business. But there's nothing wrong with being, you know, some guys they get to be one or two, you know, man operators, one or two routes, and they make a great living and they do a great job, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right? Generally. There's two ways to make money in this business, stay small or get bigger, right? So we have, we know of people who are one and two man operations who make six digits because, you know, they do everything. Now, when you start bringing in management and everything, then you start to kill the P&L until you get through, break through that million or million and a half dollar level, right? Mm-hmm. But if you, you could make, you know, you, you could have a $250,000 route and make $200,000, want to do everything so so there's definitely ways to do that and there are trade-offs i mean it's not like it gets easier either way right i mean in one one sense you're out you're out doing the work well i don't think bringing employees in and managing people is any easier either it's just different problems right (laughs) different problems bigger problems and you just have to uh look at things differently yeah. Hey, Calvin, tell us about, so you do a lot of traditional marketing, but you also, you know, this whole community outreach thing that you're really good at, you know, uh, getting gifts for the kids around Christmas and, you know, uh, giving back to the community. Tell us, tell us about how, uh, you know, you, what you do and how you leverage that um, to, to um, you know, uh, bring in some business. Well, it, it wasn't supposed to start off that it was going to bring in business, right? It was supposed to be that we're involved with community. Uh, my wife Barbara and I were raised by traditional families back in the day, where you know, <clears throat> service before self. You took care of your neighbors, you took care of your friends and your family, and uh, anybody that needed help. I mean, my father was the type of guy. It didn't matter what was going on. Somebody's moving, you showed up and you helped them move, or whatever was going on. <clears throat> it was just the old Boston way of doing things. Everybody was there for each other. Uh, but as time went on and we got in the business, I got involved with things that were going on in the community from sponsoring sports teams. And, and you, you just don't sponsor, you know, give them 200 bucks to buy the jerseys for the kids to play baseball. You show up at a couple of the games, you buy ice cream for the kids at the end of a game, family gets to know you. And then lo and behold, you, you're walking in the houses and we sponsored the hockey teams. And uh, it came back to me one day. One of the guys who was working for us early on says to me, seems like every house we go into is either a baseball bat or a hockey stick in the corner when you walk in the front door. So, you know, it was, it was coming back. And, you know, we, we, you know, Barbara and I would get involved with um, running the leagues and stuff like that. And you got known by everybody, the mayor, the state reps, everybody showing up at these things and saying, who's running this thing? Oh, that's Galvin. He's over there. He owns Yankee Pest Control. And the name gets out. And you're having fun. You're meeting people. And you're growing your business meanwhile. And it's just uh, a lot of fun. Uh, we got involved. Uh, with Kiwanis and you were talking about the toy thing. And uh, so every year around uh, the holidays, we would have uh, fundraisers and 
collect toys, and we weren't doing that well at it. And then I said, you know, Toys for Tots do this, but for some reason the, the city we were in didn't get anything back from Toys for Tots. So we went out and we put boxes in all our own restaurants, the places we did business with. And we collected these toys, and we, we filled a moving truck full of toys. And I showed up with all these toys, and everyone was like, where are we giving those out? So we had to drive around and find places and people to take the toys from us. And, and we really <laughs> storing it in our office, and there was just toys falling off the walls. And, and we had checks. People would give us money. You guys are doing what? You know, we're, we're giving toys to kids during the holidays. We're buying their families dinner for the holidays. And they, they'd give you money. They'd give you checks. And people wanted to be involved with their little part. We're, we were only giving them that opportunity to do it. But I'll tell you a funny story, and I know I've shared it with uh, the two of you before, is that this one particular day before Christmas, I'm trying to head back to my office uh, to do our little thing uh, with everybody in the office. And we've been out delivering toys to families within our community. And I got a call, can you go back? And we need to pick some stuff up. We just learned about a family has been displaced there in a local hotel. Uh, so I, I turn around and I drive back to where we had everything set up. I, the back of the truck was full of toys to begin with, but I picked up some more toys and I picked up a mail and I went to the hotel where this family had been displaced, a motel. And I got there and, and the mother wasn't there. The kids were in the room by themselves. She was all picking up something to eat. <clears throat> and then, uh, so I stood outside this place. And the back of the truck was facing uh, where the room was. And she finally came back and uh, we found out that she had been displaced the night before due to domestic violence in the home. And uh, the kids were all shuffled and stuff like that so we wanted to take care of them so i opened the back of the truck and there's a 14 foot box truck full of toys and these kids you see them in the window like a popcorn maker they were jumping up inside and the popcorn was flying everything was bouncing and, and, and i was very happy the woman said are you really doing this for us i said yeah and i gave her food and i gave her you know toys and i let the kids come out and pick some more toys out of the back of the truck they wanted and the littlest one grabbed her big sister by the leg and she said i told you santa would find us that was it. Oh, that's awesome. You know, yeah. I went down in a blaze of glory with that and uh, became committed to that program and uh, stand committed to it today. And, and, and we'll do our best uh, taking care of the community. And, and the best part of, you know, doing that is the feeling you get from doing it. The residual effect is that everybody knows Yankee Pest Control. It's our trucks out there delivering with, with the local fire trucks. It's our trucks out there delivering the toys to the families and picking the toys up. So. It comes back all the way around. I mean, you get that warm, fuzzy feeling, and you're getting known by everybody. So how, how can you beat that? I, I want to stop you there for a second because I think it's a really important point for people to listen to, and that is <clears throat> there was no motivation to begin with to build a business based on community involvement, right? You know, and it's really this mindset of, you know, building the community and, and everyone kind of realizing, like, hey, this is my, you know, if I have a business depend on this community, which also means I have a responsibility to help build the community, right? Because if you don't do it, who is going to do it? Um, and so I think that's, you know, it's always one of those things. It's easy to think, oh yeah, other folks will, you know, other folks will will take care of it. Other folks may do it, but the reality of it is, is that well, no, it's you, right? You, you need to do it. And so it's a, it's a really important point. And of course, it escalated as as the years went on. But so let's talk about. Um, I mean, obviously, I think we heard a lot about your mindset and it's a great mindset. But, you know, your background is a little different. You didn't come up in the industry. You, you were a firefighter. And as much as I cringe to say it, you were also a Marine. Um, and so my dad, by the way, was a Marine. And I get a lot of credit from him about that. But, you know, talk me through. Um, 
talk me through like how you feel like those things prepared you for, you know, because now you have a company, right? I mean, now you've got, now you happening at the business and you've got people issues. Well, I know you don't have people issues, right? But, but how did that prepare you think as far as getting you as a business owner and kind of your philosophy as a leader now? Well, I, I think in both those uh, jobs I had, uh, you know, Marine Corps, five years, I was a recruiter for my last three years in the Marine Corps, which means they sent me to school to learn how to sell. I learned about marketing. <laughs> and if there ever was a sales job, let me just tell you. <laughs> it was a sales job and a half. You know, I mean, Vietnam was just ending. And everywhere I went, you know, they people weren't happy with having a Marine walking through their school and stuff. But, you know, they, they taught me metrics. Uh, I went out to San Diego for six months. I learned the metrics, uh, how to measure, you know, where you were getting uh, recruits from, what you were doing, where, what, what you had to do to close the deal. And it was all stuff that I had never heard before because, you know, I, I came from a civil service family. We never talked about sales at all in the house. So it didn't matter. The paycheck came every week. Uh, so, so that helped me with that. But also, you know, within the Marine Corps, you learn to uh, handle people. Of course, uh, the way you handle people in the Marine Corps back in the 70s is not the way you're going to handle employees today. <laughs> hey, I want to I tell you something real quick because it's funny you say that. So I used to have a flight instructor. He was a... Um, we, we were both instructors and he was, he, he actually instructed in the Navy. And of course the Navy trains Marine pilots. And he'd always say, he'd make me laugh. He goes, you know, he's like, I air force guys, you know, I tell them what to do. They do it. Navy guys, they tell them what to do. They do it. I get a Marine in the cockpit and I tell them what to do and they don't do it. He's like, and one day I realized I just yelled at the guy and then he started doing it. <laughs> he's like, He's like, so for all the Marine guys, anytime somebody, he's like, they didn't hear me until I screamed at him. He's like, and then I just realized, oh, that's just what they do. It's like, <laughs> you know, sometimes so, people hey. you slap on the back of the head to get moving, right? <laughs> it's interesting, though. I, I never really thought of the Marines as keeping the stats on the sales and, and whatnot. I, and now that you think about it, it's probably pretty sophisticated done, you know. Recruiting just like any other, uh, you know, any other sales job, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we had pushpin maps, you know, before computers. Uh, we knew where every uh, lead was coming from. We tracked every phone call we made, calling kids, how many we made, how many led to an interview, how many led to a, an actual closing. Uh, walking around shopping centers or going out. I used to, uh, I was on Long Island, New York. I would go to the high schools and I'd run drills for the football teams and stuff like that. I didn't even get the, the name Marine in front of the kids that were getting ready to graduate. Uh, so, you know, you could, took track of all the time uh, of all that stuff you did. And at the end of the month, you said, well, it, it took me a thousand phone calls to get 10 interviews. Now the 10 interviews, I, I got three kids to go in. So you knew you had to make a thousand phone calls. Same, same thing you're doing with electronic marketing today. You know that, you know, last month I spent this much money, got this many leads, and, that, and that's how many led to sales. And so if I want that many sales, I got to go backwards. That's how much money I got to spend. So it's pretty much the same thing. And uh, without knowing, I learned that. I learned that back in the 70s. Yeah. Hey, let me switch gears real quick uh, and ask you a question that I know I've asked you before. Is uh, So, uh, you know, me growing up right around New York City, uh, actually, I'm a Met fan, but most of the people here are Yankee fans. And, uh, uh, and I also went to school <laughs> Uh, at Northeastern. And I would never in my life open up a pest control company in this area called Red Sox Pest Control. How do you get away with Yankee Pest Control in Boston? <laughs> I knew you were going to go with that. I knew you were going to I did too. I started laughing. <laughs> you, you know, 
it, it's not most people don't think about it uh, uh i have had incidents with people flipping me off driving down the street during like maybe a pennant series between the yankees and the red Sox or something like that <laughs> like what did i do when i pointed the side of the truck you know uh funny thing is that we uh we actually work for some of the red Sox and some of the owners of the red Sox, and uh and, and they never mention it either so i mean we do sneak under the radar uh, we did at one point have an opportunity in the old days, uh, young kids uh, doing this business don't know much about the Yellow Pages, uh, but at one point in the Yellow Page rep uh, got us some Red Sox tickets and had a name put up on the big scoreboard out in the middle of our center field. And the whole stadium just went, boo! That's <laughs> <laughs> a better advertising. You can the Yankee Pest Control, boo! Uh, but you know, yeah, well, I was going to say for our listeners, you don't have NY in your logo luckily so i mean it's <laughs> that would be good recently we talked to them about uh servicing fenway park and, and part of the agreement with fenway park is that you have to buy advertising with them to be able to do the work uh again we know the owners uh we service their homes and with that i said there's no way i'm spending a million dollars a year to have people go in there and make jokes and laugh at our name of course, you know, they remember, you know, they said there's no such thing as bad advertising while people see you see your name, right? But I don't think that would work well for us. So we, we did avoid that one thing, Dan. <laughs> awesome. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. You don't need, to, you don't need to, get, uh, to, to pay to get abused. You can go home and do that for nothing, right? That's right. <laughs> well, I do think that, you know, and I think this is maybe just a take home for all the listeners. I mean, the fact that you're engaged in the community and that you're trying to do the right thing, there's no doubt, I mean, there's going to be a positive impact on multiple fronts. I mean, one is, you know, people talk about how they're stressed out these days. I know for me personally, anytime I go out and, like you said, help someone move or do something in the community, I never come away from that feeling stressed out or feeling like I shouldn't have done it. I always feel better. Um, and obviously, you're making the community better. But so tell me how do you engage your people, like your employees as well, in some of these efforts? And, and what does that do, you, you think, for, for your business? We do. You know, the ones that want to be involved, get involved. The ones that don't, you know, they can go home. That's fine. Uh, we recently, before this pandemic hit, uh, our food pantry was going to build a new building. They were looking for support. And they came to me with their handout looking for some money, which is what they do. And, and I expect <laughs> it. And, and they expect me to write a check. And I said to them, geez, I never heard of this. How long has this been going on? They said, we've been doing it for two years. So I said, sounds like you got to get the word out. So I said, how about if we do something different? And I went home and sat down with Barbara that night and we spoke about it. And we decided we were going to put on a party for them. And that's party with there's an R in there. I know you guys can't hear my R. Uh, did you go in the car to the park and get a party? <laughs> so, wow, that was good. Yeah. So we engaged the community. We went to... Uh, City Hall dealt with them. We went to uh, the Bread of Life, which is the food pantry, and then we went to our employees. We said, "This is what we're thinking of doing. Can we count on your support?" Now, I wasn't looking for their money, <clears throat> and, and but a lot of them did throw money into the hat that night. We raised fifty thousand dollars in one night, and then got commitments over five years from other businesses to keep putting money into the hat while they built uh, build this new building. So, uh, just about everybody in the company, other than the couple that had something to do that night. We're there for the party. Uh, they all come in uh, early that day to get their work done, started working in the parking lot. Uh, we shut down the whole neighborhood. Uh, we attracted several hundred people. We had food trucks. We had tents set up. We had live bands. We had DJs. Uh, we had a, And we went to most of the uh, restaurants that we work with and, and came, and they, and they did 
stuff for us. Uh, the brewery that we service came and gave away free beer. The distillery we work with came away and gave free drinks. So, uh, you know, I said, don't ask for money from these people until we uh, get a little bit of this alcohol on them and see how free they get when they get half step, right? <laughs> Just time the ask, right? It's you got to make sure you get the timing down. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, so I, I folks were there, everybody from Yankee, except for a couple of people that were previously committed uh, to other events, they were there. Uh, they served food, they cleaned up, uh, they handled parking, which was a real issue for us because uh, we had so many people come. But everybody was involved. Everybody enjoyed it. Everybody thanked us for the opportunity to do it. Uh, of course, they all got to come down and eat lobster rolls or whatever else we had being served that day. Um, but everybody was involved and they enjoyed it. Same thing with the toys. I mean, we end up with toys all over the place uh, when we're collecting toys in the fall and going into the winter. And they need to be moved around. They need to be shuffled from one place to the other. And they get involved with that. And, and, and they really, I, I think they really enjoy it. You know, nobody's I, coming I, up to me saying, I spent two extra hours working yesterday moving toys. And I get overtime for it. They're doing it because they want to do it. Right. So I've got to believe that it, does, it has a big impact on your culture, right? It just yeah. creates kind of this, this great culture around your business. Just because, again, when people are helping others, you just can't help but to feel good and to, I mean, I, it's got to improve your culture. So anyway, Dan, I stepped on you. What was your question? Yeah, Gavin, do you actually uh, evaluate the efforts or you just, you know, obviously the digital marketing and the and the more traditional things you evaluate, but are you evaluating this uh, community involvement and saying, you know, this is what we put in, this is what we got, or are you just saying this is, you know, for the good of humanity and let's just do it that way? Yeah, I, I don't follow any metrics on that, Dan. I, I enjoy doing it, and, and if we didn't get anything back from it, we'd still be doing it. There's, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sitting back like uh, I'm recruiting uh, and, and I want to know how many phone calls I need to make or I'm chasing uh, people digitally and I want to see how much money I need to invest in uh, AdWords. Uh, this is just something we enjoy doing. If we didn't get anything back, that, that'd be fine. I mean, recently I had a stop in a uh, uh, hardware store, probably about maybe – 10, 20 miles away from where our office is. And I walked in, I had to buy something for a job I was doing. And <laughs> the guy ringing registers, hey, you were in that party for the Bird of Life, didn't you? And I said, yeah. He says, I put your business cards up in here for you. Wow, where'd that come from? Never met the guy, never asked. He grabbed some business cards. He had a couple in, in his hardware store. People come in, ask him who they should call for pest control. They say, hey, that, that, those are good people. Give them a call. So, awesome. I mean, it, it's going to come in. It's going to come in ways that I don't know how I would measure it. Uh, you know, certainly uh, most people, when they call up, they, they say that they got you online because that's the last place they look for you and regardless where they had heard from you. So now you're also, you know, we've been talking, the majority of the time we've been talking, we've been talking about out in the community, but, but you also help kind of inside the industry. Now, I know that you, you know, either officially or unofficially mentor several smaller companies. Tell me about that and kind of what the motivation behind that is. Well, uh, back in the beginning of time, uh, I went. I went we're to a track. Back, we're going back to the 1800s, ladies and gentlemen. Back, Let's keep going. Back, right? back in the day. How's that? Back in the day. There you go. Oh, yeah. I went to a training program, and, and I, I believe both you guys know Kevin Moran. He works for Foreshaw. Yeah. Uh, he puts on different training programs and. and he, he's one of the people in our industry that really a shaker and make it wants to get everybody making money and doing well. So I, I was down at one of those training programs and I was sitting there and you know I was one of the young guys in the, in the class, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. And, and I said to a couple of the uh, more experienced individuals in the room, small business owners, and I said, 
What do you think about these big companies selling recurring residential work? Because that wasn't a thing up here. That really wasn't. People didn't do that. It was um, the big companies doing it, the national companies. I said, what do you think? And one of them said to me, geez, Gal, that'd be great, but you're going to have to hire a bunch of people because you're not going to be able to stay up with the workload. And I said, oh, yeah, I understand that. And I got in the truck, and I'm driving home, and I said, what the hell's wrong with that? Isn't that why we're here? <laughs> you're going to have so much money, you're not going to know what to do with it. I, I don't know what to do with it. And that afternoon when I got in the office, a customer called up, and I said, I'm going to try this. I took the call, and I said, you know, we have this program where we come out on a regular basis, and we started selling two times a year service back then because I wasn't sure that we needed it up here in the great cold northeast. And we've stayed with the two-time service a year since then. And, uh, and the woman bought it. And I said, you got to be kidding me. I've got a regular customer now on the residential side. Commercial side, sure, we sold restaurants and everybody. We went out there a couple times a month or whatever. But we never did that on the residential side, any place I'd worked or anybody I talked. And it goes back to that meeting at Kevin's office when somebody said to me, I don't know if you want to do that. You're going to have to hire a lot of people. It's going to be a lot of work you got to get done. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. Rob Holmes saying, you got to be kidding me. That's what we're looking to do, right? And, right? and that afternoon, we sold the first one. It was next community over us, Everett, as you know where that is, Dan. And it was a very nice lady. She said, oh, yeah, I'd love to have that. And I don't have to worry about calling you. You're just going to come out and take care of it? Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, that 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 really hit the nail on the head for me. And now we have, you know, many thousands of those customers. And, uh, you know, I wake up uh, January 1 and say, geez, we got 10,000 10, service calls we have scheduled already for this year. And, uh, you know, we have the staff to do it. And it's regular income coming in for those and uh, for the employees. And we're able to get it done and, and grow the business and fantastic. And so with that said, uh, I would go to other meetings Kevin would have and, and I would pick the brains of, of the people that were there. And I said, you know, they're, they're sharing with me willingly. This is a great this is a great industry that way. It really is. And I said, I'm learning so much. You know, I mean, Javi Massey was just two days of just information. I took notes and my head was spinning when I went home after that conference. Uh, but just go to these meetings. You, you pick up one or two things. You go back. And then, you know, I, I certainly talked to uh, people at all the training programs at National. And I got to meet uh, both of you through the peer group. And I said, this is something, you know, we can do. And then, again, back to, you know, Kevin had a, a peer group meeting once. And I said, you're going to do that again? He said, no, it's not really in our budget to keep doing that. And I said, well, I'm going to call up these people and see if they want to get together from time to time. And, and now it's turned into a group from, uh, I'd say, all over the Northeast, uh, as far away as Ohio, right? Uh, some to New York, Connecticut, uh, then all through uh, the rest of New England. And uh, we would meet in my office from time to time. Uh, now, certainly during this time, we're going through the uh, the online training stuff, and we get together and we meet and we get to sit around and talk about what we're doing, where we're at, what problems we have, what are you doing that works, and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, it's just a matter of giving back. And, uh, and believe me, every time somebody says something in the group, I'm taking notes, and I'm saying, well, how'd that work for you? How'd that pan out? You know? Uh, I think it's... I think you're making such an important point because I, I know for me personally, there have been tons of mentors along the way that had I not had conversations with them, I know for a fact I would not be where I'm at today. And it's almost like, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you have going on. You can always help other companies because the fact is you can't, there's not enough time in the day to make all the mistakes, right? And and we learn the most, at least for me personally, I learn a lot from mistakes I make and 
hopefully mistakes of others as well. And so I think it's really important that, you know, this is all about getting out in the community, but, you know, your fellow operators are community as well. And, you know, at the end of the day, if they're not doing dumb stuff and you're able to help them, it only helps the industry. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, that's such a great thing to be doing. It's a strong fraternity that we have. And, you know, I've been in other industries. I, this industry is pretty, uh, pretty amazing that way. And, and I think, you know, what, what, why is it, what, what is it that makes our industry that way? And I'm, I, I think, um, you know, we, we, we have a lot of common interests, uh, you know, pesticide regulation, working on it, employee regulation, things like that. And so, yeah, we can be, you know, beat each other up uh, as competitors all day long. But uh, when we kind of go back, we, we all need to get together and, uh, you know, uh, act as one voice. Uh, so it's, it's terrific. So. So this couple that don't want to play well with others and, you know, just, just ignore them, let them go do their own thing. Uh, and, and it's just not business stuff. If, if uh, somebody's having problems with the technical side of something and, and we can help them, uh, we're in. Uh, and, you know, when we share, you know, information. I, I, I found a company in, in Massachusetts that does a, a boatload of bird work. I hated doing anything with bird work. My commercial customers called up, needed something done. I didn't want to take people off the route to go do the bird work. I mean, it just, it, it would mess up our, our, our plan that we had. You know, how do you fit this in? Oh, it's going to be four guys, four days. Where do I get that? You know? And so you find this guy at one of these meetings. He's, oh yeah, we do a lot of bird work. You turf it off to him. He's thrilled. He's getting this work. Your customer's thrilled. They're getting their work. And because and, you know each other, you have a relationship. Nobody's looking to go in there and knock on the door of your commercial customer and say, can we do your other work for you? So you build relationships with each other, like you said, Dan. It's a great thing. Yeah. So we're we're getting to the end here, and I want to I try to do this in all of our podcasts. But by the way, this, thank you, Galvin. This has been awesome. But you know, before we close here, what you know, we're obviously talking about building your business through community involvement, and I think both in and out of the industry. What advice do you have for you know guys and girls in the industry who are looking to increase their involvement? both in the industry, whether it be through the association, either state or national, as well as the community. And, and you know, and what advice would you give people who are, who are thinking about that or like think they don't have time for it? What would, what would be some takeaways for, that you would give them? Well, I think they have to make time for it. They have to find that time. Uh, they have to commit to it. And more importantly, they have to follow through with it if you're going to commit to it. I mean, we do simple things like go to some of the high schools and the biology class and we'll do an entomology program, you know, here and there for them. And we're just out there doing it. And it's it, it's, it's enjoyable and your name gets known. Uh, and, and anything you can do like that is going to be good for the business, also good for the soul, right? Get out there and do things for the community. Uh, and, and as far as the industry is concerned, I mean, there's associations. Donna, there's the meetings you put on that are outstanding. Uh, I've been to them. And... Uh, I think people need to go to those, build the relationships. I mean, one of the toughest things I had as the uh, education committee chair at New England was putting on uh, business meetings because nobody wanted to attend them. Everybody knew anything. They didn't want to share things with each other, and they'd be hesitant, <laughs> right? You've seen it. Yeah. You've been you've seen it. And so what you got to do is you, you got to uh, take down that wall you built up. You got to go to these meetings. You have to meet the people in your industry you're working with, if you like it or not, you are working with them. They are in the same industry with you. Uh, get out there and meet them, make friends and make it happen. Share information you, uh, and, and make the time. Go out and join one of the service clubs, you know, Kiwanis, Rotary, something like that. And then, you know, limit your time there, what you're going to do, but whatever you commit to, do it. 
And, you know, the old thing, you know, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, you know, a lot of people just shake their heads and say that's old school. Well, it is, but they do get together and they do meet each other and you can do some things that are involvement in the community and, and you get known again, right? And uh, I mean, in my Chamber of Commerce, they have a break-off group for all the restaurants. When we have our meetings, where do you go? Where do you think I go? I go with the break-off group with the restaurants and, right. and I hang out and see what I can do with them and stuff like that. So I really think you need to make it uh, the time for it, uh, but you need to make fun with it. And, you know, I, I built this business with a wife and two kids at home and, uh, where are you going, Dad? Oh, I got a meeting. Ah, oh, Dad. But now, you know, my son's involved with it. Where's he going? I'm going to these meetings. And uh, you, you enjoy it. You put yourself out there. You just let you just open. It's a relationship. Make yourself open during the meeting. Uh, do what you can. You don't have to go in there with a checkbook. But you have to commit your time, you know, and, and, the, and the time is something valuable. I was going to say, in some cases, that might even be more valuable. Well, Galvin, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. This has been a great topic. And, you know, again, I, I know I said this at the beginning, but I got to say it again to all of our listeners. This guy is the real deal. Um, if you've ever been to his office, he has this big mural on the side that was painted. I mean, it's just everything he said is I can absolutely echo it and, and know that it's the real deal. Dan, any parting thoughts before we finish out? No, I, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. It's always fun to get together with Galvin. We uh, we, we get together, uh, well, we did before uh, COVID quite a bit, and I'm sure that uh, that's coming to an end, and we'll uh, be getting together uh, again pretty soon. But uh, thanks so much for, for joining us. Hey, yeah, thank well. you, Galvin. And honestly, I hope we get together soon. And, uh, you know, if anybody has any questions for me about the things that we've done, they can certainly just reach out to me at YankeePestGalvin at YankeePest.com. And, and I'll be happy to get back to them and, and share my thoughts of what we've done. And uh, I know some other people have gotten into uh, community service and they, and they just love it. And then they just say, I can't believe the side effect that my business is growing because of it. I love so. it. Love it. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us for yet another episode of the PMP Industry Insiders podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our episodes, please rate and review us uh, either on Apple or Spotify, however you consume the content. And with that, we're signing off. Hope everyone has a great day. Thanks again, Galvin. Take care, guys. Thank Bye you. Now.